Round two. No, I'm good. I'm good. So, in this session, uh, we're going to be talking about telling the truth. We talked about telling the truth. So, turn please to Exodus chapter 20. Father in heaven, please help us now to continue to concentrate on your word. Lord, please give us joy and encouragement from your word. Uh, Lord, uh, as the day wears on, I pray that you would continue to. Grant us attentiveness to your word. Thank you, dear Lord, for these dear people and how they have sacrificed to be here. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless them today. And Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit as I speak. In Christ's name, amen. amen. So in Exodus 20, verse 16, it says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Uh, this is commonly known as the ninth of the Ten Commandments. They were originally given to the children of Israel uh, from God as a part of their national legislation. This is important. Um, the command had its initial application in a court of law. Uh, uh, many believe that one of the commandments is, Thou shalt not lie. Uh, that's not true. Uh, but what it says is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Um, literally, it means when you go to court as a witness, don't say anything that isn't true. But tell the truth about your neighbor who is on trial. So it's a national law. And the reason for it, as a part of their national legislation, is quite simply to say that society does not function well where there is a perversion of justice. And so what you have, as you know, in, in courts of law, witnesses lie and the guilty go free, and witnesses lie and the innocent are punished. And, and a culture which functions that way is going to come to ruin. So you have stiff penalties for perjury in order to safeguard and to maintain a sane society. In any good uh, courtroom drama that you will see uh, uh, will have someone who will be reminded, uh, sir, let me remind you that you're under oath to tell the, whole, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and failure to do so is going to result in either a fine or some sort of jail time or penalty. And so it, it has to be that way in the criminal justice system. And I think everybody would agree that telling the truth in a court of law is a good idea for society as a whole. Unless, of course, you are an anarchist and then you believe uh, uh, that people should not be honest in a courtroom. But again, I just really want to stress that the original intent of the Ninth Commandment is for a courtroom. But as we read on in Scripture, God makes it clear that he wants us to be truthful also outside of the courtroom. For example, in Leviticus 19, verses 11 and 12, it says, You shall not lie to one another, you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And even in the New Testament, it says, Therefore, having, this is Ephesians 4, 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth, speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And so, as we continue, I have a question for you, and the question is this. Do you believe that we ought to be truthful 
one another outside of the courtroom. Before you answer that question, and I'm not asking that question rhetorically, don't answer too quickly. I'm asking, as far as you are concerned, is it acceptable to lie? Let me give you three points, and then I want you to answer the question. Don't answer the question yet. Here's the first point, and that is, everybody is a liar. Everybody is a liar. Uh, Psalm 116, verse 11, the psalmist said, I said in my haste, or I said in my alarm, all men are liars. Spurgeon, in commenting on this verse, said that the psalmist admits that he says this in his haste, but that if he had sat for a long time and had contemplated this, he would have come to the same conclusion. All men are liars. Now, uh, before you get defensive on me, let me really define what I mean. I am not necessarily saying that you are an habitual, unrepentant liar, although you might be. I, I'm not saying that you don't strive to be truthful, because maybe you do strive to be truthful. What I'm saying is that by nature, we are all liars. Psalm 58, verse 3 says that the wicked are estranged from the womb. They come forth as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Um, my two sons are less than two years apart in age. And when I brought my second, home, my second son home from the hospital, you know those little carriers that you bring a baby home in. Uh, when I brought Charlie home from the hospital, I, I brought him home and I, I set him down and I left the room. And his brother, who was not yet two years old, was left with Charlie. When I came back in the room, about this high off the ground, I saw where someone had taken a crayon and had written all over the wall. And when I walked back in, I said to my less than two-year-old son, what happened here? And hearing the tone of my voice and seeing the look on my face and seeing uh, just the tone of the room at that time, he looked at me, he looked at the wall, he looked at Charlie, and with uh, sincerity, he said, Charlie did it. <laughs> now, who, who taught him, who taught him at less than age two to lie? His mother. No. <laughs> no, it, it is within the heart of us it is by nature something that, that we do. The wicked are estranged from the womb. We come forth as soon as we're born speaking lies. Uh, it comes very natural to us. So whether you are saved or whether you are lost, it is unnatural to tell the truth. And with varying degrees of frequency, sinful human beings, all of us, tell lies. That is why I say point number one. We are all liars. Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. And why is it that we all are liars? Well, it is because that's who we are by nature. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Uh, the verse teaches that there is nothing more deceitful than the human heart. And it is so cunning that we ourselves do not fully know ourselves. In other words, you lie to yourself so skillfully 
that you don't even know when you are doing it. And the lies, brothers and sisters, they come very quickly. You do something that you should not have done, and you are confronted with an inconvenient truth. Uh, an inconvenient truth that is either going to cost you money, or it's going to cost you extra work, or it's going to cost you reputation, or it's going to cost you uh, uh, recreation. And before the question, listen, before the question is even fully out of the mouth of the person who is confronting you with the inconvenient truth, the lie is being formulated in your mind, and you are preparing your answer, which is a fabrication of the truth. About a year or so ago, it came to our attention that there was uh, a young man in our youth group, his parents are members of the church, and he decided, for whatever reason, to, um, first of all, to, uh, to have some pot, to have some weed, and then to bring it to church, and, and then to tell some of the other students in the youth group that he had it in his bag. And uh, it's like, I, I will, first of all, I will never understand why, and we were all teenagers once, first of all, why we were such morons, but secondly, <laughs> how, just how poor we were at crime. Like, like, we, like we always found a way to, to get caught, and so, and so we bring him in, and he is—he's with his parents, and he's with the elders, and the question is asked: um, Is this the first time you ever smoked pot? And he said, "Yes, it's the first time I ever did it. It's the first time it ever happened." And and I said to him, I said, "Now, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a question." And here's what I would like you to do. I don't want you to answer the question right away. I want you to pause, and I want you to think about it. Because I know myself as a liar, when I am asked questions which are inconvenient truths, and I answer quickly, quite frequently I do not say what is true. And so I want you to think I want you to understand that what you're saying, you're saying not only to your parents and to us, but you're saying before God, is this the first time that you have ever smoked pot? Don't answer. Think. Okay, what is your answer? I've been smoking pot quite frequently for the last six months. Why? We spit something out really quickly uh, because that's, that's the way that liars work. Lies come often, uh, and they are often very uh, convincing. They're very believable. And lies come without conviction. Because even if you think about the fact that you have lied, like the lie just, boom, it exits your lips. What you have to do at that point as a Christian with a conscience, as the Holy Spirit, is you have to then have a conversation with yourself, and you have to now once again lie to yourself and to convince yourself why the lie that you just told was justifiable and it doesn't need to be corrected. And here's the ironic feature, is that when people accuse us of lying, we become hyper defensive and we become angry and theatrical when someone challenges the, ver the veracity or the truthfulness of one of your statements and we say, excuse me, did you hear what he just said? 
are you calling me a liar? As if, as if the person were like a, a, a unicorn or Sasquatch, like, like a liar? How could it be that I would be a liar? Maybe in that particular instance, you were telling the truth. The fact of the matter is, you are a liar, and you have lied before. And so don't get all dramatic and rant when someone says that you are not telling the truth. Uh, scripture says that you are. You yourself know that you are, so it is best to admit it. And you are not unique. You go to the Bible, you start reading, come across a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham, the friend of God. This woman, because she's not my wife, she's, she's my sister. And then Abraham's wife, Sarah, uh, you were laughing. No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't laughing. Uh, and then Abraham's son, Isaac, does the same thing that his father does and says, this woman, well, she's my, she's not my wife, she's my sister. And then the woman, uh, that he marries, uh, conspires with their son to cheat and to lie to Isaac, and so the blessing goes to Jacob instead of Esau. And then you have Laban, who lies to Jacob, and he slips the ugly girl in the tent in the middle of the night instead of the pretty girl. And then, uh, and, and then you have, uh, right, and then you have Jacob, who runs away at night, and his wife, Rachel, who steals one of her father's household idols, says, I can't get off my camel because it's that, this is my time of the month and I can't get down. And then you have Jacob's uh, sons uh, who take Joseph and they sell him into slavery and they rip his clothes up and they dip it in blood and they take it to the father and they say, a wild animal has eaten your son and this is just the book of Genesis. <laughs> you are just in the book of Genesis and and it doesn't change throughout the rest of the Bible and it really doesn't change throughout the rest of the Bible because people do not change. We are all manipulators and liars. And lying takes on many forms, doesn't it? There is the bald face lie. That's when you look the person right in the eye. Like, you don't blink. Like, like look at me. I am telling you the truth. It's convincing. I mean, it is just like, boom, right there, a lie. There is the little white lie. Uh, that is lies that are told by people who do not have suntans. Uh, there's the exaggeration. The exaggeration for the sake of making ourselves look better or for the sake of making others look worse. There's resume lying. About 20 years ago, there was a man by the name of George O'Leary. He was hired as the head football coach at Notre Dame. On his resume, he stated that he was a three-year letterman at University of New Hampshire. So the press went back to New Hampshire and they looked in the yearbook and they couldn't find him and they went and interviewed some of the people who were on the team and they said, tell us about George O'Leary. Nobody was able to recall who he was because he didn't play football there. He just lied about it on his resume. And his brother, when George O'Leary got fired that day, his brother said, he makes a great coach because of his willingness to lie on a resume, that's an indication of how much he wants to win and why he should get the job. 
<coughs> there's lying to protect people. But actually, when you're lying to protect people, you're really only lying to protect yourself. I'm not going to tell my wife where I have been and what I have done because it would just hurt her so badly. And I don't want to hurt her, so I'm not going to tell her the truth. And then there is, and there is deception on, and and there is the technicality. Uh, were you talking to that person? No, we weren't talking. Well, no, you weren't talking. You were texting, uh, and so technically you weren't talking. But you know what I meant. You left me with the impression that there was no communication. When you leave a person with the impression that something is untrue, you have lied to them. Uh, I guess if you were to have a recording of it and you were to replay the recording, you were very careful with your words. And, and, and when confronted later about the fact that you lied, you would say, no, you were listening. What I actually said was, but you left me with the impression of something else. Uh, there are half-truths. What are you doing on the internet? I was just um, looking, I was looking at lawnmowers. Uh, because our lawnmower, you know, it's just, it's about to, I'm just reading an article on lawnmowers. Yeah, right, okay, so for a few minutes you were reading about lawnmowers, but really what you were doing is you were looking at pornography. But you told the truth somehow because you said you were reading about lawnmowers. And so there are fabrications and uh, there is flattery, there are forgeries, there are fibs, there is the, there is the, the, the just tell him. Just tell him that you've forgotten your wallet. Anything that starts with just tell him usually is a lie. Now, I, I can remember ways that I would lie to my parents. Where are you going tonight? Well, I'm going to the mall. I would drive to the mall, literally, this is what I would do so as to appease my conscience. I would drive to the mall, I would walk in the door, and I would turn and I would walk out, and then I would go, and I would be someplace where I wasn't supposed to be. Where were you tonight? I went to the mall. There's covering for a friend. There is confessing to a lesser crime in order to divert attention from a larger sin. You know what I'm talking about. None of this should be a shock to you. And then there are the worst types of lies, and these are lies which bring God into our lives. When we attached to our lie, I swear to God, I'm telling you the truth. I swear to God, this is, this is the truth. Or there is, there is the, 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 the fake repentance that takes place in your heart where you tell the lie and then immediately after telling the lie, you whisper a prayer to God and say, God, I know that this was a sin, please forgive me, but yet you do not correct the lie. That is not repentance, and God should not be brought into that. that that's blasphemy. There's artfully changing the subject. It, uh, you get the idea. And the reason why we lie is because we love ourselves, and we have so much sinful pride, and we want to protect ourselves, and we want to look good in front of others, and we want to guard our reputations, and we want to maintain the comforts that we have in our lives. 
And so when the truth is uncomfortable, what we have to do is to attack the truth, and the only weapon that we have to attack the truth is to lie. And so we use it without thinking twice. Point number one, everybody is a liar. Uh, point number two, everybody is a liar, and that's not okay. Everybody is a liar, and that's not okay. Somehow we think that just because something is common, therefore it is acceptable. Now, I do not in any way want to be political, but there's a lot going on in the world of politics these days um, as to who is telling the truth and who is lying. And on a news feed this week, I heard one person say, you know, every politician lies. And so the insinuation is, well, since every politician lies, therefore, since it is universal, it is acceptable. It is not. All men are liars, and it is not acceptable. Well, nobody got hurt, so therefore it's okay. No, it's not okay. Please consider for a moment, and I'm going to argue from the lesser to the greater, please consider how you feel when someone lies to you, especially someone that you trust, someone with whom you've been honest, someone that supposedly loves you, and maybe they really do love you, but they are not honest with you, and then you find out that you have been lied to. Is that okay? It certainly is not okay. There's a sense of betrayal, and betrayal hurts. It destroys <laughs> trust. It costs money. Uh, often it is accompanied with adultery and, and stealing. Uh, uh, lying, stealing, adultery, uh, commands 7, 8, and 9, they are uh, Siamese triplets. They often run in the same circles. And we have all been lied to, and we can attest to the fact that it hurts when someone lies to us. But the hypocrisy is incredible. Because if you realize how offended you feel and how mad you are when someone lies to you, and it is not justifiable when someone lies to you, yet you say it is okay if I myself lie, that is not consistent. It really does hurt. And so even if you are being a hypocrite, in other words, it is okay for you to lie to someone else, but it's not okay for someone to lie to you. Uh, that, 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 that's not my point. My point is now arguing from the lesser to the greater, if it is not okay, follow me, if it is not okay for someone to lie to you, and who are you? Well, you yourself are just a liar. You yourself are just a sinner. But it is not okay for someone to do that to you. How much worse is it when we lie and defend the God of all truth. I mean, do you have any idea who God is? In, in Titus chapter 1, it speaks of God who cannot lie. And in John 17, 17, Jesus says, Thy word is truth. He is holy. He is incapable of tolerating a lie. You say, oh, he understands. No, he really doesn't understand. He's compassionate, he's merciful, but he doesn't take this lightly. Listen to this quote by Philip Riken. Riken says, 
Honesty really is the best policy, not simply because it helps us get along with other people, but because our interpersonal communication ought to be grounded in the character of God, end quote, and well said. In other words, our primary motivation for telling the truth is not fear of getting caught and not because you're going to have a better business reputation if you are honest, although those are good reasons to tell the truth. The reason is not building a reputation of integrity, but the primary reason for telling the truth is that we belong to God and our God is a God of holiness and our God is a God of truthfulness. And he values truth above all else. Truth, honesty, integrity, they are precious to him. And when he sees his image bearers, especially image bearers that he has bought with the blood of his son, he cannot tolerate it. Uh, let me explain how serious this is. Turn, please, to Psalm 5. <clears throat> Let me read verses 4, 5, and 6. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes you hate all evildoers. Uh, you've heard the expression, God loves the sinner but hates the sin. That is really good refrigerator art. It is really bad theology. The scripture says that God hates the evildoer, not just what they do, but God hates them. Verse 6, you destroy those who speak lies. You Destroy those who speak lies. Remember the point. Everybody is a liar, and it is not okay. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. And so what you need to do if, if, if lying is a pattern in your life, you really need to listen to me now, especially those of you who are good liars. And by good liars, I mean they could hook you up to a polygraph test, and you could you could pass it. I mean, you, you, you are able, you, you, are, just, you are just convincing. Uh, speaking now to those who are cheating on their spouses, uh, cheating about those, uh, speaking now to those who are cheating on their finances or in their taxes, uh, speaking now to those who are deceptive. The worst thing that you have going for you is that you're good at it. And you have credibility. And people believe you because you are convincing. You are seldom caught. And even when you get caught, you're just really good to twist it and turn it and to talk your way out of it. And here's what's even more frightening. That you are so good at it and you have been doing it for so long, you no longer feel guilty about it. Uh, you can do it and just move on and sleep like a baby. You're slippery. You, you always talk your way out of it. One day, you're going to stand before an omniscient God. 
And the scripture says that all things are naked and open to him, to the one to whom we must give an account. And the facts will all be open before the one to whom we must give an account. Jesus said, what you're whispering in the ears right now, one day is going to be shouted from the rooftops. And so, Numbers 32, 23, be sure your sin will find you out. In Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. See, he is the God of all truth, and he hates lies, and he hates liars. And we can become so cavalier with this. We met with some men last night, and I was telling a story of how, and I, I will make the story short, there was a missionary, uh, a, a national pastor from India who came to our church to speak uh, about 20 years ago, and he told these fascinating stories of, of, of his ministry in India and how he was converted. And, and these were really like, I mean, you could make a movie out of these stories. They were wonderful, and, and his stories were so wonderful that uh, we were able to generate a lot of money and to support his ministry and to promote him in other churches. And, 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 and long story short, it was discovered that every story that he was telling us was not true. He had made it all up. And when he was confronted, I said to him, I said, you know, I, that's interesting now that we can see because the first time you told this story, you told it this way, and then the second time you told it that way, and I thought maybe you just had a lapse in memory, but, but really they were, there, were, there were details in the story which were different. And he laughed. He laughed. And he said, well, I guess when you're a liar, you have to have a good memory. <laughs> if you are an habitual liar, here is your hope. I'm going to give you hope today. Your hope, and your only hope, is that God also is a liar. If he is a liar, then you might be saved. But if he is a truth teller, you are in trouble. Turn to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. Now, if God here is just trying to scare you, he's not telling the truth, he's just trying to manipulate you, well, then you, you should have hope, because, because maybe you're going to get away with it. But if God is telling the truth here, you're in trouble. Revelation 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, detestable for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, 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 their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. If God is just bluffing here, if God is lying, you might be all right. But if God is telling the truth, and you're a habitual liar, I don't care what profession of faith you've made, I don't care what water you've been baptized in, I don't care what position you hold in the church. If God's telling the truth, you're in trouble. Uh, uh, next chapter, Revelation 22, 15. Outside, that is outside the kingdom of God, are 
the dogs, the sorcerers, the, the sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. This is sobering. So you look at Ananias and Sapphira. They have a piece of land. They sell the land. They keep back some of the money for themselves. They give the rest of the money to the church. But they say that they have given all the money to the church. They lie to the Holy Spirit. They lie to God. And boom, he's struck dead. And then a few hours later, boom, she's struck dead. And you say to yourself, well... I've been lying for a long time. God has never struck me dead. That is actually more frightening because you are heaping up wrath for the day of wrath. You are not going to heaven. You are not saved. You are not born again. Point number one, everybody is a liar. Point number two, everybody is a liar and that is not okay. Point number three, Everybody is a liar except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. Because he's born of a virgin. He's the eternal son of God. He, he doesn't inherit a sin nature. And he's born with this holy, truth-telling heart. And, and it says in Isaiah 53 that there was no deceit in his mouth. And that he stood for the truth. The John 18.37 For this purpose, Jesus says, I was born, and he's speaking to Pilate, and he said, for this purpose I came into the world. Why did you come into the world? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus Christ is a truth teller. John 1.14. He is full of grace and truth. John 1.17. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Jesus in Matthew twenty two sixteen is in the temple, and a man walks up to him and says, Teacher, we know that you are true and that you teach the way of God truthfully. And Jesus says, the night in which he was betrayed in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the truth, and the life. So that's why uh, the God of all truth can say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God is a God of truth. His Son comes to earth. He speaks the truth. And God is pleased with the truth. So God says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is truth personified. And not only did he not lie, but he always spoke the truth. And you say, so what? How in the world am I, a liar, helped by the fact that Jesus told the truth and that Jesus is the truth. Well, as I said in the first sermon, because the gospel is of first importance. Because of substitution. You see, I'm talking now about the subject of lying and telling the truth. And if you're listening right now, you might say to yourself, okay, I get the point. I understand that I'm a liar and I understand that I, that I ought to tell the truth. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to start telling the truth and I'm going to stop lying. Even if, for the rest of your life, you don't tell any more lies, and you will tell lies in the future, but, but that's, that's later in the sermon. But even if, let's just say, for the sake of argument, you never do tell another lie, and, and, and you start to tell the truth, you are still going to go to hell, because you are not going to be saved by virtue of the fact 
that you have stopped lying. The doctrine of the truthfulness of Jesus Christ does not help you simply in the fact that Jesus set a good example as a truth teller and that we should become like Jesus, but it is through the doctrine of substitution that our lies are washed away and they are replaced by truth. For he who knew no sin, he who told no lies, became sin, became a lie for us. That means that all of the lies which we have told were placed upon him so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All of his truth is transferred over to us. It is substitution. What you need to stand before God is not a record which says that most of the time you really tried to tell the truth. What you need before God is a perfect record. And you can't obtain that, because however old you are, that's how many years you have been lying. And who knows how many lies you have told that you remember. But, but there are an infinite number of lies which you've forgotten about. You cannot cleanse yourself by ceasing to lie. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And the fact that Jesus is the truth and that he told the truth and now he offers you that record before God, that is your great escape. And so what do I have to do to get rid of my lies? Well, you have to believe. For whoever believes in him will not perish. Now, this doesn't mean that since Jesus died for my lies, I can continue to lie, for we cannot continue to sin that grace may abound, and do not be <coughs> deceived, God is not mocked. All who love and practice lies will be in the lake of fire. But it does mean that your lies are paid for and erased from the record book before God. Because Jesus has swapped places with you. And now, brothers and sisters, you who are liars, and I am with you as a liar, we have our records pure before God. The only way that you can get rid of the penalty for your lying is to cast yourself at the mercy of God based upon what Jesus has done at the cross. So, Jesus has forgiven my lies. How, how do I now live? Well, assuming that you are saved, assuming you were born again, assuming that you are trusting Jesus, as a child of God, let me give you four points of application as we close. Here's the first one. And by the way, if you're anything like me, um, So I've preached this sermon before, and every time I review this sermon, what happens is I think to myself about lies. Like, like I, I try to suppress it. I try to say to myself, I'm the pastor, I'm the preacher, I'm the one that's doing the instructing, and the Holy Spirit says, well, yes, but have you taken care of, have you taken care of this? Um... Recently, I, I, I preached a, a sermon which was uh, in line with this, and I had to go to my wife, and I had to say, I'm sorry, I, I've been lying to you. I, I, I've left you with the impression 
of such and such, and he really was different than that. And so, so all, all I'm saying is, I am a fellow struggler with you. And the point that I'm making now is, number one, if you have lied to anyone, and that person is still living, and you remember lying to them, first of all, confess this to God, but you should go to that person and you should seek their forgiveness. Uh, because you have sinned against them. And you should correct your lies, and you should set the record straight. Uh, so, I have had to do this on many occasions. Uh, the reason I have had to do this on many occasions is because I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a pretty good liar, not a great liar, but a pretty good liar, but I'm a frequent liar, and I've had to go on many occasions to people and to tell them that I have lied to them probably done it dozens of times. I'll give you one example. There was a church that I was working at one time where the elders had asked me to order some Sunday school material. And of course I forgot to order it. When he saw me on Sunday morning, he asked me, did you order the Sunday school book? And like, of course, before I could even think about it, I looked him in the eye and said, yeah, I ordered them. They'll be here next Sunday. Well, of course they'll be here next Sunday because tomorrow morning I will order them. They'll get here on time. No one will ever know the difference. But I told him that I did order the books, but I didn't order the books. So I sat in church that, that day, and the Holy Spirit just would not leave me alone. You're singing the praises of God. You're hearing the word of God preached, but you just lied to one of the elders and you told him that you ordered the books when in fact you did not order the books. And you did it because you didn't want to look bad. What I needed to do and what I did is, by the grace of God, I went up to him after the service and I said, Jim, uh, an hour and a half ago you asked me whether or not I had ordered those books and the fact of the matter is you asked me to do it and I forgot to do it, I didn't do it, and when you asked me if I did it, I lied about it. If you're anything like me right now, you are having a conversation with yourself and you are trying to convince yourself right now why you cannot go and do what I have just prescribed. But I want to remind you from Psalm 51, verse 6, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And the most valuable thing that you as a Christian possess is a soft and a sensitive conscience. If you lie, your conscience will be hardened. If you lie a second time, it will be hardened even more. And if you lie over a period of months or years, you won't even feel it anymore, and your conscience will be seared. I want to tell you that lying and not correcting the sin will harden your conscience, and it will breed more lies the thing you need to do is to seek forgiveness from God and then go and speak to those to whom you have lied and correct it. Point number two, when you lie in the future, not if you lie in the future, but when you lie in the future, <clears throat> first of all, try not to, okay? But you will, when you lie in the future, Correct it quickly. 
correct it quickly. Do not say to yourself, you know, I need to find time to go to that person and to talk to them about it. But if you lie to someone in a conversation, because let's go back to the young man who was smoking weed in our church. He's confronted by it, by the elders, and boom, what does he do? He doesn't even think about it. He just spits out the lie. I'm not, I'm not excusing lies, but you know how quickly they come and how quickly these words can exit your mouth. When you lie, correct it as quick as possible. You lie to someone, you're still in a conversation with them, interrupt them and say, excuse me, I'm sorry, wait a minute, time out, time out, time out. Two minutes ago, you just asked me, you just asked me a question, and then I responded to, to the question. I understood what you, what you asked me. Uh, don't equivocate. Just say, uh, before we continue, you need to know, I just lied to you, and I would ask you please to forgive me. A and every time that I have done this, I have always found the other person to be very forgiving and to be very understanding. I've never, I, I've, I've done it dozens of times, but I've never found the person to say, what? <laughs> you lied? <laughs> Why are people so forgiving when you admit that you lie? Because they lie. They understand. <laughs> if you ask the Holy Spirit to hold you accountable to correct all future lies quickly, um, here's what will happen. You will lie less. Because here's what will happen. You will get tired of, of, of going back and correcting it. If you know you have to correct it, you're just not going to do it to begin with. You're going to tell the truth. Number three. James 1.19. Be slow to speak. And here's what I mean by that. Someone comes to you and they confront you on something that you have done. What's going to happen is a lie is going to be formulated in your mind. The best thing to do is just to pause and not say anything. Don't say anything. Think it through and then respond in truth. What you're saying to me right now is quite embarrassing. Uh, the fact of the matter is, whew, I didn't order those books. Should have, but I didn't. By pausing, by not giving a response, by being slow to speak, you are more apt to tell the truth. Because a lie comes quicker than the truth does. Number four, speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 Sometimes speaking the truth is going to hurt others. Sometimes speaking the truth is going to hurt you. But we speak the truth and we speak it with an attitude of love because in the end the truth spoken in love is better than a lie regardless of the tone. And finally Read the Bible all the time. Read the Bible all the time. Because think about it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Right? You are always lying to you. 
when you are watching the media, they are lying to you. You work with liars. The devil is the father of lies. You're just swimming in a world of lies. And, and, and if you never get any input of truth, what that's going to do, it's going to be like a, a breeding ground to cultivate lies. And so how do we combat that? You just read the Bible all the time because it is truth. And it's the only thing that we have here and now to transform our minds. Fill your mind with truth and speak the truth. John 8.32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. His word is truth. Read the Bible all the time. So, back to the question. Do you believe that lying is acceptable outside of a courtroom? Well, if so, I want to tell you you all seem like very nice people, but I really need to tell you that if you find lying to be acceptable, you will be eternally damned. Unless you repent, you get saved. If you believe that it is not acceptable to tell lies, then by the grace of God, do everything that you can to tell the truth. Father in heaven, even as I listen to myself preach here, uh, Lord, I am just reminded of the sinfulness of my heart, and I am reminded of the glory of Christ, and I'm reminded of your love. Thank you, Lord, that you do forgive liars. Um, Lord, thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit that does not leave us alone. I pray, dear God, that you would grant us soft consciences, and I pray, dear Lord, that we would value these consciences and really be a people, Lord, that speaks the truth in love. And so help us, Lord, left to ourselves, we will fail. Uh, Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen.